Hello and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia and with me is my co-host Mila. Hi Mila. Hello. Today's episode, episode 39, is The Coming of Arthur and the Gang. The synopsis for today's episode is, with Camelot lost to Morgana, Merlin has to go to extraordinary lengths to restore Arthur's belief in himself. So, this is a huge episode. (laughs) Oh my god, there's so much stuff. I have so many notes. It's a great episode, first of all. Second of all, this episode is a lot of things, but it is the birth of the Knights of the Round Table. Yes. It's so exciting. And Sir Leon's the only one who makes the cut from Camelot. <laughs> well, clearly, because the other Night Turner is just not as good. No, and did you think that's what was going to happen with Gwen and Elian? I mean, Lancelot was obvious. Lancelot was obvious, but yes, once they were all together, I knew that that's what was going to happen. I didn't know really that it was going to be at that moment, but I knew that at some point that was going to happen. But you didn't see coming in the show that like eventually these were going to be like Arthur's guys. Yes. Once we meet like one person and they're great and then they disappear (laughs) and the other person, they're also great. And then they disappear. You kind of see that like all these weird people that would never be knights in a normal Camelot, actually become the best knights of the kingdom. So these two episodes, this two-parter is so Rupert Young-heavy. Sir Leon is everywhere, and I love it. But we've also, and don't want to forget that Amelia Fox is still here playing more ghosts. We've just got the addition of Owen Mackin as Gwen, Tamiwa Eden as Elian, We've got Santiago Cabrera as Lancelot. And were you surprised to see Tom Hopper in this as Sir Percival? Yes. Because now Tom Hopper is pretty famous. (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? Who are you? What are you doing here? It's funny when you see people who are now famous and you're watching a show from 10 years ago for the first time. It is. It's very funny. I mean, for all of you who haven't been watching Umbrella Academy... It's just you, because everyone's seen Umbrella Academy. But yeah, Tom Hopper. And it's interesting that they decided instead of bringing someone from Camelot, we'll have the addition of a random person who we haven't seen. Yeah. And it took them a while to say his name. I'm like, hello. Who's this guy? You got to introduce this person. What's wrong with you guys? He's supposed to be gigantic in Umbrella Academy. In this show, you're just you just realize how extraordinarily tall he is. In, like a normal guy's, you know what I mean? Like there's no makeup making him tall. He's just huge. <laughs> He's enormous. He was also in Game of Thrones. It, again, I have obviously forgotten <laughs> a lot of that show. <laughs> there's a lot of big things again. There's not one big thing that happens in this episode, but that to me is a real big game changer because they're not leaving now. They've come in and out, these characters. We've seen them kind of dip in and out for certain stories, but this is it. They're here now. And it's crazy because it's a considerable amount of people that come into the main cast of the show. I kind of warned you that all of a sudden the show was going to have like double the amount of main characters. I mean, they're not main characters the way that Merlin and Arthur are, but 
There was a comment in the commentary, which was Julian Murphy and Jeremy Webb. And Jeremy Webb directed this episode about how it's no longer about Merlin and Arthur. It's about this group in the end. I love it. I'm all I'm all for it right now. There's lots of little things to say. So let's and a lot of big things to say. So let's just get into it. The episode opens with them dragging, dragging, forcing Sir Leon down a hallway. It opens and I'm thinking, they really know how to upset this audience. They're like, put Sir Leon in danger. Yeah. <laughs> because again, we've talked about this so many times. He's like, guys, he could die. It's not a given that he'll make it. And I'm pretty attached, obviously. Obviously. Do not hurt Sir Leon. Unforgivable. It would be like hurting guys. I would be that upset. And then he comes in and we find out that Morgana has been queen for a week already. Jesus. It's a long time. It's been a hard week, I'm sure. Did you think that he was going to die? No. Did you ever think he's going to die? <laughs> no, I really didn't. Maybe desensitized you. This is an interesting opening because it cuts into two things. So we cut over to Merlin running for his life. And he dips into the cave. And there's, I, I'm not really getting to get into all the deleted scenes, only a couple moments of the deleted scenes because there's plenty. Cut for time, obviously, and nothing was crucial, I don't think. In the scene, you mean? In the show overall, I don't think anything changed the episode. Yeah, I agree. But I mentioned that here for the folks who don't know because there's a longer opening where Merlin has to fight one of the new Camelot soldiers, the immortals. A lot of running through the woods. We get to the cave and a depressed Arthur. It's been a week. He's sitting in a cave in the corner, all huddled up, depressed. Back in the courtyard, you think she's going to execute the knights. Did You really didn't think that Sir Leon was going to die here? Here, I'm like, what the hell? What's going on? Okay. No. Here, I was like, wait, what? what is going to happen? Here, I actually thought that he could possibly die because he really looked like it. It would have been a good way to escalate what's happening after a week of this, to be to press upon you how important it is for Arthur to hurry the fuck up and get back instead of sitting in a cave. But the surefire way to really hurt Sir Leon is to hurt the citizens of Camelot. Yeah. And she has that evil smile. What the hell? She's going to kill all the knights? Oh, no. Just innocent people. Most of the knights are already dead. So, like... <laughs> that is correct. I can't believe how many people are still alive in Camelot at this point. Camelot was overpopulated, I think, in the beginning. <laughs> now there's probably the right amount of people. Well, it's also really interesting. You had asked about all these banners, and the commentary confirmed it for me. It's supposed to be the row entry. I don't know if you remember that staff that Morgos gave Morgana a long time ago. It was made from the row entry. Oh, yes. And those, like, kind of winding branches. Yes. Yeah, they didn't really talk about why. They mentioned that it was supposed to be the, the tree in the Isle of the Blessed. I guess the point would be to change it from the Pendragon crest, which is anti-magic, to a magical symbol. I see. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. We're a magical kingdom now. So Uther is chained up in the dungeon. Could call this karma. <laughs> Could call this karma. Also, she chained him, which is smart because a lot of people escaped from that dungeon. And you could people were never chained to the wall. Except for Morgana in that one episode. Yes. Everybody else was just sitting there, just waiting for the right time to escape. So, you know, well done. Yeah. Morgana gives a kind of classic bad guy logic speech about how 
you killed a bunch of innocent people, so I killed a bunch of innocent people. Yes, and one of those, I want you to suffer as I suffered in your hands. I'm like, oh, okay, I expected this. Yeah, this is bad guy logic 101. Oh, you did an awful thing, so now I'm going to do an awful thing, and that makes me right. <laughs> I'm going to double down on the awfulness, and then I'm going to be amazing. What else can we say about Anthony Head and the small scenes he has, but that he's brilliant and his heartbroken face is heartbreaking? He looks just frail and sad and weak, and it's amazing. Because let me tell you, people, makeup only does not do that. That's the actor's talent. Well, the makeup would make him look dirty. <laughs> yes. It makes him look not like a king anymore. But, mm -hmm. yeah, he's amazing. He doesn't even say much. No. No, it's a lot of silent acting. It's very impressive. Yeah. Back at the cave, which is a set, in case you were wondering, but a very well done set. It is pretty well done. I kind of guessed that that was a set. Clearly. But yeah, it's very, very well done. I think it's clearly a set, but not because it's a bad set, but because the chances you've got a cave like that. With enough space for cameras and like lots of people. There's like an entire crew behind that camera. Don't ever forget when you're watching TV, you're looking at a bunch of actors and behind the camera, there's like twice as many people. Yep. Yeah, there is like one person holding the camera, one person holding the cable that attaches to the camera. You know what I mean? So many people. All the PAs. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot going on unless you purposefully don't have them there. Right. So Merlin tries to kind of do that thing where you're like, hey, buddy. Cheer up. <laughs> I love a callback. This isn't a comedy show, so you don't get a lot of callbacks. But he's like, hey, here's some rat to eat <laughs> which is a callback to the famine episode yep and he's trying to get through arthur's mood with some humor and it's not working arthur says we cannot defeat an immortal army and i'm like hey merlin would this be a good time to mention that you have magic <laughs> well when he says well merlin says camelot needs you your father needs you i understand that you're disappointed at your father but now it's not the time <laughs> To process that information. And I'm all for processing your feelings right away. But honestly, got to put that on the back burner when it's a life or death situation. And then we can talk about it later. And I do agree. And then Arthur says we cannot defeat an immortal army. And I'm like, yep, you got a point also. He does have a point. But I'm just saying it feels like this would be a good moment to be like, yeah, but I have magical powers. By the way, I can help you with that. It's sad. I don't know. At least we get the hint that it worked, though, right? That the speech worked because Arthur starts eating. Yes. His face actually tells us that the rat's not that bad. I mean, I guess a rat would be really not tender, but could eat worse things if you were starving in a cave. We go to Camelot and see Gwen, who was standing next to Morgana in the first scene in, in the throne or in the courtroom. And Morgana's doing this, like, I'm so happy thing with her. And Gwen is basically pulling a Morgana, where she's, like, overly sweet. <laughs> I mean, I know you didn't believe it, because she's her loyalties to Arthur. We know that. Obviously. But I was just loving all these scenes. I'm like, yes, Gwen. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. 
This episode really proves a lot of what we've been saying for 38 episodes. Gwen is really, really smart. I knew that from the first episode. So let me tell you that I was correct. Yeah, she's so smart. So she's going to go talk to Sir Leon. And uh, when she does, she gives him a piece of bread. They're obviously not feeding him. Obviously. I just want to mention also that the scene, the Morgana-Gwen scene, starts with Morgana saying, being queen is not that simple. I'm like, you don't say. No shit, Sherlock. I'm like, what the fuck? Anyways, poor Sir Leon, he's not being fed. Yeah. And of course, she's here to do the classic escape plan. Of course, he's, we're going to escape. It's Camelot. Doesn't matter who is in charge. It's going to be an escape. But Morgana and Morgos are listening. She's all like, oh, as I suspected. Well, why would she follow you? You're awful. Also, she's in love with Arthur. You know that. Honestly, I really thought that they didn't know. When they saw them spying up there, I'm like, oh, shit. Honestly, Morgana's number one skill is spying. I was really sad. I'm sorry. Because Gwen's plan was so good. And I'm like, I cannot believe it. You know what? I'm going to leave that for a little bit later because it is so good. Okay. Because back at the cave, we're going to go through all this stuff at the cave. We find out Merlin sent a letter to Lancelot. I'm not even going to ask how you send a letter back then. Okay. In a pigeon? Because there's no extra people with them to like, yeah, maybe a pigeon. (laughs) There's no... But you'd have to have a carrier pigeon. Like, regular pigeons don't go find people. Well. Okay, I'm not going to nitpick this one because I'm like, my magic? <laughs> oh, I went on a dark, deep hole in the middle of this episode. We'll get there when we get there, and I'll tell you what my research, my I found on my research. So anyway, whatever. Fine, you sent a letter. I believe you. I believe you. This is a, a story time with Gaius where we find out what needs to be done, right? Gaius has the knowledge, thank God, because we don't have the books right now. We can't do the research. And actually pretty easy. Just got to empty the cup. I was like, oh, that's it's actually not that bad. <laughs> it's actually not that bad and could just have happened by accident. <laughs> when they were carrying the cup full of blood through kingdoms and fighting. I'm just going to say it because you know, because we've all seen the episode, we're here at the podcast. It's sitting in Camelot now. I'm not going to leave it behind anyway because you need, you want to protect it. This is what I said to you last episode. I mentioned there's a problem here because like, did you put saran wrap on the top? Like it doesn't have a lid. They could have just made a lid. Is it a magic cup that it doesn't spill? No, it's not because it's pretty easy to knock over. But what, wait. So I'm going to hold my comment until we get... Because of the sword? You know what? I'm just going to... Yes. <laughs> There's so many things to say in this episode. It's really hard, guys. Focus. We're going to focus. We're going to go part by part. Okay. All right. Guys is telling the Just story. because it's the only way to actually get through an episode this huge. Fine. The cup made it. We have to empty it. I'm glad it's that easy. I'm like, well, that's good. <laughs> no complicated spell work here. Just empty the cup. Cool. So now Merlin's come to this point of, okay, this is really bad. Probably time for the water from Avalon. But he's just stuck there. Like, it would have been really good to give instructions, like user's guide. Hey, when this happens, you do this. 
Why isn't there a break in case of emergency sign on this thing? With a tiny little hammer taped to the bottom. (laughs) This is what happens when you never sleep. Merlin falls asleep trying to open, activate this thing. Wayne being the most interrupty person ever to walk, I guess, the halls of Camelot, he has walked them, wakes him up and it smashes. Were you upset or you were like, yeah? I was upset. I was like, actually Colin Morgan's face is like really upsetting. He's like, oh no. Because it was, obviously there's two roads here. Either this is going to make it more difficult and Merlin is going to have to find out on his own or it's going to make it easier. Thankfully, you made it easier. He went on a whole quest for that thing. But yes, for a second, I was a little bit like, oh my God, what is going to happen now? Are you surprised to see Freya? No, at that point, when we started focusing on the water, I knew that she was going to come because she told us so. True. I, I was very emotional when I watched this episode, so I cried a lot. So I can't remember if I cried at this part because Colin Morgan's doing a lot of that crying face that he does. <laughs> crying face without crying and looking at nothing. I know. I'm like, whatever. You're too good. I hear that they had her on set to read. That is amazing. I love when people do that. Yeah, it's important. We can never overstate Colin Morgan's skill at acting at nothing. But when you're doing an emotional scene like this, that's part of a love story, I can't also overstate how important it is to make the effort to have the other person. Because sometimes the person off screen isn't even the actor. Someone's feeding you the lines that isn't the other actor. So you can have the director feeding you lines. And it's not the same. And this is a huge episode. So I'm so glad that they did that. It's a very sweet reunion. Very short, but very sweet. And thank you for telling us what to do. Thanks, Freya. She's way more helpful than everybody else. She's like, do this thing. (laughs) Go get the sword. It's interesting, this idea that, so this army is immortal, but also now undead. So I guess I don't know if you knew at the end, that if you just tip the cup over, they would all explode. I'm like, that's handy. (laughs) When she said that, that's what I imagine. I'm like, once you get... Once you kind of like destroy the spell from the cup, they will all actually die. So he just like wiped out a kingdom of people. (laughs) Bye. Also, you got to think like, again, I don't want to get too deep into this stuff because it's a big episode. But that was a we've commented on how big the army that said Red had is. You got to think that's every man from that kingdom. (laughs) Now that kingdom has just lost a 100,000 people in one little incident. Yeah, that's too bad. (laughs) Wayne comes back, interrupts the whole process. And I'm like, Wayne, stop. Shut up. For once. First interruption, helpful. Second interruption, no. (laughs) Merlin's like, everything's okay. Big smile. He's actually really happy. And then turns around and she's gone. And then like Colin Morgan does that thing where his face does the slow process to switch to I'm super determined now. He's like, oh, I have to do a thing. (laughs) Yes. It's like activating quest mode. <laughs> He's amazing. It's gross. <laughs> I mean that in the loveliest way possible. So he's super determined. Dragon Lord time. Kilgara's here. And he gives my favorite Kilgara line of the entire show. I'm just going to put it down now because I'm not sure that's true, but it's got to be true. I am not a horse, Merlin. 
I love it because it's just genius that the, every time that the dragon comes, he has some smart ass thing to say. And I'm here for it. More of the dragon, please. Okay, I would say he's a huge, huge bitch. And I mean that in the best way possible as well. <laughs> I love this. I'm not a horse. I'm like, no, you're better than a horse. You're a dragon. <laughs> you fly. <laughs> we understand. Also, it worries me that this place is so far because Merlin's gone there on foot before. <laughs> so this is my deep dive of today. He goes, it's 20 leagues, right? So that's roughly 70 miles or 111 kilometers. He brought a dying Freya. They can't be that far from Camelot, right? This cave can't be that far from Camelot. It's a day's walk. Right. So it's either 13 hours walking fast or about 24 hours walking slowly. It's a lot of work. That's interesting. It's quicker on a dragon. It is quicker on a dragon. But it also concerns me that he made Freya walk that entire way while she was dying. <laughs> That's why I was like, wait, what? I didn't know that it was that far away. Yeah, I was like, I thought it was a couple miles away. Jesus. <laughs> you know, she was mortally wounded, right? That's why I went to research him. Like, how? What? What is going on? I thought that the lake was closer. Sorry, everyone. Look, okay? It's far. This is all said with love. It's all said with love. We wouldn't be talking about the show if we didn't like it, right? Yes. So, yeah, it's freaking far away. But conveniently, there's a boat there. I know. I don't know who said it in the commentary, but they're like, yeah, that's nice about Camelot. They're very considerate. There's always a boat there. I like to think that Freya put that boat there for Merlin. I like to think that it's just the community boat that people use to go fish in the lake. Because when you're not, when you don't have magical business, you got to think people around there just want to go fish in the lake. Yeah, that lake is always empty, though. Well, I mean, like, it's not like it's populated the way our world is, you know? There's a few people around. True, true. You can ride your dragon around at night and no one saw it. It's just saying. I think about that all the time. I'm like, nobody heard the wings flapping, the enormous wings flapping around it? No. It's very inconspicuous. It's a great little practical stunt here with the, the head of a uh, female diver down there. It looks great. That is awesome i thought when i saw it in the previews i thought that the hand was merlin's i thought that he was going to actually jump and get it himself but i love that they did that no they did the like lady of the lake yes yes legit although it's beautiful and it's magical and it's shot so pretty and that sword is so freaking pretty and my head ruins it because in my head i'm hearing lines from monty python <laughs> Always. I just watched the musical this weekend. It's really hard. I saw the hand come up and I'm, I'm hearing, just because some moistened bent lobbed a scimitar at you doesn't make you <laughs> king. Ah, it's too good. The ways in which they like found different words and synonyms to rephrase that. It is so great. Listen, it's great. If you got to this episode of our podcast and you still haven't watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail, I'm disappointed in you. Sonia judges you. Go watch this movie. Only a little bit because I ranted about it. If you're into Merlin stuff, come on. It's definitely worth it. Go watch it. Anyway, I hate to ruin this scene because it is. It's beautiful. And I love this sword. This prop is just so pretty. It's so cool. So Excalibur's here. 
Everything's going swimmingly. Back at Camelot, Gwen's plan is excellent. She is the only person in Camelot who's figured out to not steal a key so someone would notice it's gone, but to take an imprint of the key to make a copy. I love this because, number one, she's very smart. Number two, it's actually believable because of her dad. Yeah, and she goes and she's she does some blacksmithing, which we have not seen. I love it. I love that they put that there and that it's very believable that she would know how to make that. It's so good. Her escape plan is better than everybody else's escape plan. Also, right before that, Morgana slips something into her drink, which I had no idea what was going to be. I'm like, is she poisoning Gwen? What is going on? Well, I wondered if you would think that because it looks like that. But Morgana specifically said, let's not kill her. Right. So too bad they have magic, right? Too bad because this plan is really good. Plan is amazing. It is amazing. She thinks of everything. And she... She trusts that Sir Leon can get from the dungeon to outside of the castle walls because he's Sir Leon. He gets to her house. I like this bit of humor. I think it's just silly and fun. This is also very smart. She's like, I don't want you to look like a guy. It's very smart because, like she said... She's dressing up way more like someone from the court. Yes, she's putting on her fancy clothes, right? And it is very smart. She says they're going to be looking for a man. They're not going to be looking for two women. Yeah. When they're in the forest and she says, what's taking you so long? I'm a woman. I think it works because back then, all the stupid shit women had to wear. It might have actually been true that it took forever to get dressed because oh, no. <laughs> these things are, it's like seven layers of clothing. I am... A hundred percent. I a hundred percent believe that it took a long time for you to get dressed and undressed. My only problem with this line that I'm like, ugh, eye rolling here is that no, you're not a woman. You're just dressed as one. So yeah, fuck that. It's better if he's like, I'm dressed like a woman. He doesn't know how to take it off. Yes. <laughs> Sir Leon has such a sweet disposition that I'm like, he doesn't mean it. <laughs> In your head, you're already dismissed. No, you're taking long because you don't know how to untie the back of a dress. I mean, it's not like men with armor didn't take forever to get dressed. Also, you can't even dress yourself. You need somebody else to help you. So I think it's the same thing, you know? I think it's just because he takes that off and throws a shirt on. And I'm like, yeah, that was easier. Yeah, that was easier. I love these woods so much. So beautiful. These locations. Although, I'm like... Morgos, did you really need the spell? It's literally the only way to go. <laughs> Can you believe how well they hid that Amelia is fully pregnant there? What? Yeah. Is she really? Mm -hmm. I would have never guessed. They said it was rather hard to hide. They were joking around about how like you can't hide it the way you do on TV with big bags. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but a big cloak. If you notice a lot of the scenes of Morgana and Morgos talking are always from the chest up. They don't do any wide shots of Morgos anymore in the past couple episodes that she's been in. That is, now that you mention it, and I stop to remember, yeah, that is true. But I, it never struck me as strange. No, it looks pretty natural. You don't think about it. So we get to the cave and Arthur goes up to Merlin. He's like, oh, are you sleeping? Okay, let me tell you something. This kid hasn't slept in five years. Don't start with me, Arthur. <laughs> Are you sleeping? No, never. Never. He's never asleep. 
Good, because the time for sleeping is over. Listen, when is it time for sleeping for Merlin? Because <laughs> I haven't seen it. Same question of a holiday. What is a holiday? Is sleep. What is sleep? They mentioned in the commentary they like to write this exchange because the way you think of Merlin traditionally is wise. So they keep harping on this thing where it's happened before that Arthur's been like, hmm, I don't want to say it because it's not true, but it's almost like you're wise. And he says that again, and I love it. I also love that he says, on occasion, quite by accident, you say something useful. It's very well written line. So good. It's really good. We have a reunion with Gwen and Arthur and also Sir Leon. Obviously, it takes them like two seconds to figure out they've been found out. And Gaius does this really dumb thing where he's like, go without me. And I'm like, just start running, man. Like, why are you trying to do this? You need a head start. Stop talking. Start walking away from the guards. Gaius, Merlin, and Arthur have like a self-sacrifice disease. How about you stop with that? How about you live your life to the fullest and not die right now? Merlin does some sword fighting. He does a lot of sword fighting in this episode. And I guess one of them was a deleted scene. But like, hey, good for him. No, there's a lot, especially at the end. Yeah, he's learned a lot. My favorite walk wall is back. Now you're starting to like see it yeah. over and over, right? <laughs> I don't blame them. It's a beautiful location. For a second, I didn't remember who it was throwing the rocks down. I was like, is that Merlin with magic? This is when you see Percival. Lancelot's here. We get this gaze of Lancelot. I'm like, how is he more handsome than before? I'm like, I forgot. I forgot how handsome he is. You kind of forget. They were like, let's cast our super handsome actor. Santiago Cabrera is so good in this role. He really is. Also, very awkward vibes between him and Gwen. He's staring at Gwen like, hey, you still with Arthur? She's staring at him like, hey, you're back, but I'm with Arthur. And she goes, Lancelot. And I'm like, can you not sound in love with him, please? Yeah, cool it, Gwen. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. So... Lancelot introduces us to Percival. I'm not sure if I get vibes that Arthur's not sure about Lancelot being back. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. He's he doesn't look super happy. He's like, you're here. And Merlin's like, it was me. And I'm like, Merlin, everything is you. <laughs> what happens in this show that isn't directly caused by Merlin? Anyway, I, I don't know. I think he's glad. I think he just has too much in his head. He would have died. Right. I'm glad you're here. Can you stop looking at Gwen, though? <laughs> also that. We make it to those castle ruins, like the ancient Camelot castles. Cool. It's fake. But the interior is a beautiful abbey. Just gorgeous. It's funny because I know what's coming in this location. So when they walk in and the table's covered and they go explore... I'm like, there it is. It's there. Don't walk by it. And it's funny because it looks like they go walk off. And then find it later. But when they cut back, sweeping left, and all the candles are lit, they're in the same room. It's right, it's just right there. But yeah, let's see what we can find. Okay, the round table. How excited are you? I'm very excited because I saw it in the previews. And then I was thinking about it. Where is it? I'm like, is it in, is it in the vaults of Camelot? Is it in back in... The castle, but now I understand and it makes sense. It's like an old Camelot castle. This is one of the... Yes. Which was a good idea to write it this way. I agree. 
I did stumble onto something posted by a Merlin fan that I think is probably accurate. I'm going to take them at their word. There's words carved into the table. I saw that. Anglo-Saxon words. This fan who posted it wrote about how it was kind of a little annoying that this person made this amazing prop. I think Paul Cripps made this prop. And somehow this fan knows this thing that the creators don't because the creators are in the commentary talking about like, yeah, I think those are Anglo-Saxon words. I don't really know what they mean. No, those words each have meaning and they're supposed to belong to each of the characters that are sitting at the right spot. Because I don't know Old English. I can't read it. I believe you. They weren't sitting at the right spots. <laughs> oh, that's really annoying. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. It doesn't sound like it was like ever translated to the director that that should happen because Jeremy Webb did not seem to be conscious of this in the commentary. He didn't say like, oh, they were supposed to sit in certain spots for the meanings, but I had to move them for how it looked. And I don't want to take away from this. Arthur sits everyone down. We only see him sit Gwen down, but I think I think there's a conscious choice of where they sit and I don't want to miss this. Merlin is sitting at his right hand. Not Lancelot, not Sir Leon, Merlin. That I noticed, yes. It's not, it's impossible to miss that, I think. Yeah, and it says everything because I don't know how many times I have to harp on about this to satisfy myself, but he is Arthur's number one advisor. That is his real position. We can treat him like a servant. We can give him chores, but he's his advisor. And that's where he belongs, at his right side. Gwen is at his left side. She's his queen. The only three people I think who are sitting at the right spot are... Gwen, Merlin, and Arthur. I might be wrong about that, but I think so. So Arthur's spot would be like the word leader or royal. Merlin's spot, of course, says magic. Leon's, I think Sir Leon is in the right spot. It says, it's kind of like chief prince. Well, she's like the chief of the knights outside of Arthur. Right. Lancelot is in the wrong spot. His spot says modesty. It's harder to really define that from Old English. It doesn't translate correctly, but they put Gwen in his spot. And his spot was purposefully put across from Gwen so they would be in each other's eyeline, which I think was more clever because I'm like, yeah, you should force this because this is important what's going on between them. Anyway, Percival's says bodily strength, but Elian is sitting in it. Gaius's says is um, something that means leader in thought. His seat's taken by Lancelot. Gwen is heroic deed. His seat's taken by Percival. Elian is fidelity. That seat's taken by Gaius. And Guinevere's seat says love. There you go. Oh, come on, guys. You're going to have to reshoot this scene with everybody else sitting at the right spot. It really annoys me. Why? How do they not know that? How do they, like, no one from the person who made the prop didn't point it out? How did this not come up in a meeting? How did they not say, this is where I want them sitting? Or I'm going to put words into this table that means things so where are you going to sit people because like do they think oh no one's ever going to notice like hey i hate to tell you we're in the internet age of watching tv everyone's going to fucking notice everything you did because we're going to pause the shit out of things and we're going to look at it and unfortunately i think that for fantasy people really lean into the meaning of this hidden objects or of things that are scripted in a wall or in a rock or in a sword or in a table it really means something. And this is such, it's not any table. It's the freaking round table. Come on. 
Also, it's like this huge scene. I mean, like I cry during this scene. Yeah. It's very emotional. Arthur gives this amazing speech. Also, I got to laugh that in the commentary, they said that it's made of polystyrene. I guess it's just like really light, so you can't touch the table because if you touch it, it's going to flip. <laughs> I love it. So you like no one could lean on it. You can't <laughs> bump into it. But yes, Arthur gives this great speech. He explains what we always know in every Arthurian tale. It's round, so no one has a place at the head of the table. I love that Lance is the first one to stand up when he asks, who will come with me? I thought it was going to be Merlin. Yes, I love it too. Obviously, it's Lancelot. It should be Lancelot because he's the bravest. I truly love the exchange between Arthur and Merlin. Oh my God, it's the best. Everyone gives their like, even Percival, who hasn't said two words, speaks up. And it's funny because it's a deleted scene, his backstory. We don't actually know why he's so into like, I'll join you guys on this suicide mission. But they cut a scene where Lancelot explains to Merlin that Sedwin killed his whole family, basically. So he's got a vendetta and he's got to join somebody. Look at him. He's a fighting machine. Understandable. But yes, the exchange between Merlin and Arthur, the way Gwen says, like, you know my answer. And then Bradley does it. And I love the decisions here to look forward, like does not even make eye contact. He's like Merlin and the "Eh, I don't really fancy it. I love it. I also love Gwen being like, I don't think we got a chance, but you know, I'll join you guys. They're all great lines. I love, I love that Lancelot says, I believe in the world you would build. They're all great, great lines. You're right. I love that guy says, if you need an old man, it's like, we always need you guys. And we're going to prove that this episode. Yep, we are. I'm so happy that that was the decision. I was really afraid that guys might just die in this episode oh no i was i was really afraid i think every serious episode you're like this guy is gonna die i hope i'm never right but i feel like someday i will be right no comment i'm just gonna go back to this nah i don't really fancy it this is how close they are that he doesn't have to give a speech he's like listen i've crawled through worse hell like situations with you don't worry about it it comes back later to me where Lance's like we're gonna go do our own mission and it's kind of like weird where like Arthur's like you're not gonna be with me (laughs) yes he's a little weirded out in that scene yeah but I feel like this whole scene at the round table is Arthur because these are all people we've collected on our journeys right this is Arthur reaping what he sows this is all these relationships he's built has brought him to the moment where it matters what kind of person you are Yes, because that's why people are sitting there and wanting to help you. Yeah, none of them are helping him because he's going to be king. And they don't even know that they're going to be knighted. Oh my God. Okay, so yes, let's get into that. This shot, Jeremy Webb mentioned it. I got a Dale is their DP. Every time we've ever mentioned lighting, that's Dale. The knights lined up and kneeling. It's so perfect. It is so great. I knew that at some point in the series, they were going to become knights. I did not know that it was at this point. (laughs) I was really not expecting them to be knighted right at this moment. I like that he did it basically at the round table. This is what makes the whole moment a thing. I love it. And I also love Arthur's line. Now I'm going to do something that my father would disapprove of. Good. Keep doing that. And Owen Mackin good for him i really see the struggle in Gwen. like i don't want this 
but I'm going to do this. <laughs> he's not happy. He doesn't want to be a knight. Yeah, it's just an extra responsibility that he's not looking forward to have. At least he didn't have to tell Arthur he's of noble birth. He can still keep his secret. Yes, and he got knighted because of his actions and not because of his background, which I think that for him is more important and is worth more. This all makes me cry. I did cry. It's such a good scene. Now, for pillow talk with Lance and Merlin. Now, again, I want to go to another deleted scene real quick. That deleted scene was a little bit important to me because Lancelot says to him, you didn't think I was going to come or something of the sort. And Merlin says, I knew you wouldn't let Arthur down. And he says to him, Arthur's not the one who asked me to come. It's like a reminder. And we know this about Gwen already. Lance showed up for Merlin. Not that he's not there to help Arthur's cause, but Gwen and Lance both view their friendships to be with Merlin, not Arthur. Absolutely. That's important to me because, again, we come back to this idea of what I said before. Everything in the show is because of Merlin. That's why it's called Merlin. Like, you're supposed to, th- you know, in all the legends, it's always Arthur. Lancelot is Arthur's best friend. Arthur finds Excalibur. Arthur finds a cup. It's always Merlin in this show. It's really important to notice that the undertone is that everything that happens, even if it's in secret, is happening because of Merlin. And Gwen and Lance are there because of Merlin. And I really appreciate how they made that seem very believable and very natural that everything is centered around Merlin. Even the sword, yeah. the cup, the knights. It's, it just happened naturally throughout the show that at this point you just believe and it's, it's okay. That all of that is just not accomplished by Arthur alone. Yeah, and it's it still has Arthur attached because, again, we come to the idea of they're two sides of the same coin. They're, they're inseparable. Arthur and Merlin are not entities that work separately. They need each other. And that idea is that now it seems like they're Arthur's knights, but a lot of their allegiance personally is to Merlin. I totally agree. Not that Sir Leon isn't, you know, he's, a, he's an Arthur guy and... Percival's just here. <laughs> he just got here. We don't really know. Elian is a Gwen guy. Oh, and that was one thing. Elian's seat was supposed to be next to Gwen because he's Gwen's brother. You see? Mm. This person really thought about it. Anyway, Lance and Merlin are having a nighttime chat. And it's also nice to have him back because he's the only other person. So Hunith, Gaius, Kilgara, and Lance are the only ones who know who are still alive. And Morgana... Morgana doesn't know he's magical at all. Oh, no. Morgana knows that he poisoned her. Yeah. Morgana has no idea. Oh, wait. Didn't... How... So, I, I wonder, because they left him tied up with magic in the middle of the forest. How How are they like, hmm, he's king? This is... That's a kind of a nitpick where I'm always like, Morgana and Morgos don't take this kid seriously enough. He keeps fucking up their shit. <laughs> Anyway, sometimes I think that they know and they decide to ignore it, but they don't know. They don't know. I can spoil that for you. I can spoil that for you because it will become painfully clear how much they don't know. I love it. It will become a plot point. (laughs) But Lancelot knows and he knows right away that Merlin is planning something. He goes, tell me right now. Don't lie. One and a half days? Two days? 
to figure out when he first got there. But yeah, of course, they're alone for five minutes. He's like, so what are you going to do? <laughs> so what's the secret plan here? Please include me. Because Lance is also clued into the fact that Arthur always thinks they're on his plan. And there's always like a secret plan that's the real plan. He's like, I know what actually saves Arthur. And it's the secret plan. So I'm with Merlin. We're going to accomplish that part of the deal. And you guys go do whatever you do in the front. It's good to have Lance here. And it's a great conversation because this uh, they're such smart writers. It leads into the next scene where Lancelot is like, I'm going to take care of how we can get you separated from everyone. Because usually Merlin's in a bit of trouble spot trying to be in two places at once. Yeah, and Gaius is listening in. We get that. Lance makes sure that he's going to get Merlin away from everyone. But he says two very important things. One is, and these are my favorite lines of the episode, they have to be. You know, Merlin, you're the one that Arthur should knight, which is a whole lot of truth. And you're the bravest of us all and he doesn't even know. That is my favorite. I have that one written down too. I missed you, Lance. Guys is always saying, I'm proud of you. You did it. But it's nice to have somebody else. <laughs> hey, just so you know, I noticed that you're, you deserve to be one of the knights and not just cleaning boots. Yeah, it's refreshing. Gwen and Arthur have their PDA, their first public kiss. So sweet. She goes, they're going to see it. I'm like, most of them already know. You kissed one of the other guys that's over there looking at you. She's kissed three people in this room. <laughs> Come on. It's good writing that Lance sees it. So he's like, okay, I get the message. She's with Arthur. He's kissing her in public. Yeah, it's a big deal. It is. It is. And I mean, it's the music. They, it's, a, it's the same shot, basically, from her house. Yes. Which is important because it's, it's good to have a callback like that. And I love that Arthur is just, fuck it all. I'll knight whoever I want. I'll kiss whoever I want. <laughs> yeah. He's like, listen. Do what I want. Morgana's sitting on my throne. Well, Uther clearly did what he wanted. Look where that landed us. Thanks, Uther, for this whole mess. He lied to who he wanted. He slept with who he wanted. Whatever. Doesn't matter. You know, Arthur is going through so much. There's also the admittance that his father cheated, cheated on his mother. That, you know, he's not such a good rule follower. He's not honest with him. Yeah, he lied about a lot of stuff. I wish Arthur would be like, I wonder if he lied about that whole thing about my mom dying. Yeah, that would be helpful. Yes, yes, Arthur, he did. But yeah, that's one goodbye. And we get the Gaius, be careful dad moment. Oh my God, that breaks my heart. He looks so sad and he looks so worried. I definitely cried. I did too. This episode, I don't know how many times I cried. <laughs> we go to Camelot. Lancelot has sword envy for Excalibur. He's like, ooh, what's that? That guy just exploded. <laughs> exploded and disappeared into thin air. It's a lot less messy than a dead guy on the floor. A lot. Also, there's a lot, a lot of less cleanup. It just disappears. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of little things happen. This whole storming the castle thing, these little things I appreciate, like Arthur takes the keys with his sword and flings them to the knights. I love that part. Love it. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that moment, too. I'm like, Bradley, that's impressive. Because it's just, obviously, it's so much faster. You're already fighting with a sword and you just like hook it and throw it's just, it's so genius. It's such a little thing, but it makes so much sense. And it gives me, it just gives me like fantasy, like Prince sword fight vibes. 
you know? Well, yeah, because we see a lot of sword fighting in this show. So making a storming of the castle interesting requires moments that are more than you just fighting. I mean, all the fighting is excellent. I couldn't say that enough. Everyone does so well. I mean, I'm never surprised seeing Santiago Cabrera be so good at this. Because I've watched Musketeers and he's a musketeer. It's a lot of sword fighting. (laughs) How many versions of the Musketeers have been made? Like 20? Oh my God. So many. So many. I'm happy he's here to sword fight with Merlin. I also want to kind of give it up to Colin Morgan because it's not easy to like do the stunts in sword fighting while looking bad at sword fighting. (laughs) Yeah. Looking clumsy is not easy. And clumsy and believable is not easy because you have to look like you're trying your hardest. You're trying hard and you're doing it, but you're not really good at it. He's probably not that great at it because he's not training like Bradley is, but it's it's a lot. Bradley's great at looking like he's been training his entire life, which is one amazing skill. And then there's a the skill of looking like you're just barely getting through it. And they both do that perfectly. Yeah. I love the whole comedy bit when they get, when Lance and Merlin get to the other side of the door. They lock like three guards on the other side of the door. And you know, you can feel it because you feel it coming because they have this shot of them like smiling at the door and they turn around. (laughs) There's six guards. It's also such a classic thing, right? You think you escaped the worst and then you locked yourself with more bad stuff inside of a room. Yeah. And you can't escape because more bad stuff is waiting for you outside. So you just have to fight. I love it. You have to. And it's it's also a brilliant little plan, right? Lance does most of the fighting. Merlin finishes them off with the sword. I mean, again, I just said it. Santiago Cabrera is amazing in this scene, playing hurt. Arthur finds Uther, who manages to say the words, I'm sorry. He's not doing good. <laughs> I wrote in my notes that he looks like poop. <laughs> He's very depressed. I actually feel for him. There's an additional, I don't know if it was just a longer version or additional cutscene of Morgana basically tell him just how much she despises him. Yeah, she really made sure to throw some salt on his wounds in this episode. No, no, no. I hate you as much as anyone could hate anything, by the way. Because I think in the cutscene is where he says, Morgos has corrupted you. And she says, no, no, no. Let's get this straight. Magic made me who I am, and so did you. And he is shocked, and he's so sad. And she turns to him and says, well, it's hard to hear the truth, isn't it? And it is, because he knows that that's the truth. He knows that she never came to talk to him because of his views on magic. Also, a lot of her behaviors are Uther behaviors. She is her father's daughter. It's like, you think that this is cruel? Remember when you did this to other people? Remember that? So yeah, it's the same. It's like looking in a mirror. I gotta, like, come on. This is how you look to every magical person. This is you. Gotta face it. Is it in the show or in the deleted scenes that she says she's gonna kill Arthur and he wants, she wants him to see it? I think it's in the deleted scenes. I think it's at the end of this scene because he says, or there's another scene where he, he tells her, kill me. Just kill me. And she says that she won't kill him because she wants him to see Arthur dying by her hands. Which is super evil because again, let's be really honest, Arthur did, never did anything to her. <laughs> no, he actually protected her as much as he could. And he didn't know. He also didn't know that she was his sister. Arthur's going through a lot. 
He's going through two huge betrayals. One from Uther for lying. One from Morgana. Poor Arthur. Because he really loved Morgana. Yes, they've been... They are... Um, I was going to say, they are like brother and sister. I know that they are brother and sister, but they... Even not knowing that, they lived together since forever. Since they were kids. Yeah. Yes. And he really protected her every chance that he could. Yeah. But he's regretting that year of his life he spent in the field looking for her. Yeah. Like, oh, I just gave up a year of my life to go around shitty places and sleep on the ground looking for you. And see a lot of my men die looking for you. I don't know why that just made me think of when Arthur complains about sleeping on a floor. I'm like, you sleep in the forest all the time. What are you talking about? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Poor Uther looks like crap. Back at the real fight where real things are happening. <laughs> Arthur has no idea about. I love when the bells go off. He's like, what are those two doing? I'm like, saving the world. <laughs> saving you all. Never mind what they're doing. Just keep fighting for a little bit longer. Everything's going to be fine. Actually, I'm going to stick with Arthur for a second. Yes. Also, we get they get pinned back and Arthur says, if we go down, we're going to go down fighting. And then he says, for the love of Camelot, the battle cry of the Knights of Camelot. Back at the cup, Merlin, oh my God, makes a break for it. They've defeated all these knights. The door swings open behind him. I got to say, I heard a lot about like logistical stuff that was happening while they were filming during this commentary. They couldn't get any of these people in the same room at the same time. All of these shots are like picked up separately, the reaction shots. I mean, they were talking about how Colin's filming three episodes at once. You can't always have him in the room. But he did the stunt. He did the stunt of being pulled back by Morgos. And damn, when he hits that wall, it's so upsetting. I love that he did the stunt because I would want to do stunts like that also. That is incredible that the shots were all separate. You would never know. You wouldn't. It's not, I'm not saying every single one, but they were just talking on and on about how, like, especially when Morgana loses it at the end, those are all separate shots. <laughs> they just stitched. Sometimes you can't get the people you need in a room together and you just have to get them to react to nothing and then somebody else to react to nothing. And then you just put them all together and it looks like they were all in a room together. They <laughs> just give all the separate shots to the editing person and be like, hey, have fun. That, by the way, that's when good lighting really comes in. The thing that is a dead giveaway of people not having shot a scene together is the lighting doesn't match. It's so hard. It's so hard to make it match. You have to be so good. So good. Or a ghost is about to kill Merlin. Yeah, right. This is how, you know, he keeps his secret. She still doesn't know. Because we got a shot of Gwen coming around the hallways of the other castle being like, Gaius? And he shows up and doesn't even have to try to do magic. He nails it that's in that Gwen scene that's when I thought I was like oh did you really go fight you're probably gonna die <laughs> thank goodness that I was wrong and I was so happy to see him I was so happy I almost cried I think I cried again I was very emotional when I started watching this to prep and I cried a lot <laughs> this made me cry he shows up and saves Merlin and he's like the old Gaius, right? Who loved to do magic and who's not afraid anymore. He just got there and did what he had to do. I mean, who's going to see Lance? Whatever. He already knows. <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> Lance is the one person we can trust that we know isn't going to say anything. And then when she, her back is turned around and she's getting up, Merlin hits her even stronger. 
but she doesn't know. No, she doesn't. And that part I knew. Let's get into this whole tipping the cup thing because I kind of laugh in my head because sometimes when he's running towards it with the sword and it's like this big moment of like, I'm going to tip a cup over with a sword. I think of like an alternate take in my head where he just walks up and like pours it out really chill, like undramatic version of this. So that's the story that I created in my head, right? He needed the sword not only to kill the immortal army, but because the spell was so strong with the cup of life, the only way to tip it was to use the sword, was to use something with the old religion power in it. I believe you. I think he could have knocked it over with his powers as well, with the spell. I believe you that there's some sort of protection on the cup from spilling because it would be a nightmare to bring that thing from. I'm like, also, you have magic. If you don't protect your cup, what are you doing? You're a terrible sorcerer. The spell I would use on just all my drinks. Spell proof them. Amazing. I love it. I love it. I love the blood thrown against the wall. It's so good. I'm glad that they did the blood in the right consistency. You know what I mean? It was not like a watery blood. It was like what blood would look and kind of feel like after days of sitting in a cup. I'm going to say, also, does this cup have like an anti-congealment spell? Because I think if you let blood sit there for like a week. It would just dry forever. Yes, I also thought about that. But, you know, magical stuff. So I'm not going to. Magic. I'm not going to. They they did a little, there was a little snarky comment in the commentary where they were like, everything is correct to the time period of when dragons used to talk. Because <laughs> they're like so sick of people nitpicking their time. We're on time period, yes. See, I'm never, I'm never nitpicking at the time period. Duh. Yeah, we saved the day. Morgana freaks out. And it's like season two, episode 12, uh, The Fires of Edie Shorlas, where she runs in and where Morgos runs in to Morgana laying there. Same room, same moment. That's exactly what I wrote in my notes is a reverse scene of when Merlin poisoned her. Yeah. And we get a pretty big display of power. Very haunting screams from Katie McGrath. Oh my God. It is horrible. Hor- it's not- horrifying. I'm not saying that she's bad. I'm saying that the screams are horrifying like they are supposed to be. Yeah, no, good job, Katie. Also, I have a moment here where I'm like, hey, Merlin, maybe this would be a good time to just totally kill her. Yeah, I think that I would be with Merlin on this one and I would be more worried about the other people who can actually be killed because the building is just falling down and just try to save all the other two that I love that are there. I'm with him 100%, but I'm also like, hey, everyone, this don't let her get away. <laughs> oh, I guess we need another season. So bye. And we have this whole, hey, Gwen, are you alive? Did you think he was dead? For a second, I'm like, whatever. Just show yourself right now. And then he does. I'm like, damn it. Why do you have to do this? Why do you have to scare us like that? I love Gwen. If Gwen died, I'd be really, really upset. I love him. See, because you have to guess now. I'm not going to say whether you'd be right or wrong. That these few, not new, but these few characters that are now here are going to be here. Yes. For two seasons. Yes. So it's safe for me to say that I'm pretty attached to these knights. <laughs> I understand. So am I. Because I've gone through a couple of seasons with them already. <laughs> I'm like, you're back. Yay. I do give it up to this show. It's hard to 
add characters through the show and not make it feel like you're just oh, trying to freshen it up because that's a big thing that happens in network TV where you just have to add people to make it feel new. And it works with this. It feels like this is the progression of events that should have happened. Yes. Everything's over and we're in the courtyard and Merlin and Arthur are just having one of their moments. I'm proud of Arthur because he's not like clean my boots. He's like, get someone to clean my boots. This should be his role, by the way. Get someone to do a thing for me. You go fetch somebody to do something. Not you muck out the stalls. Tell the stable boy to muck out my stalls. Yes. And I love that Merlin comes back was like, well, you said that you believe in equality. Why don't you do it? It's funny. We also get it. Uther is unwell. And Merlin's like, maybe you should take over. Well, that is a end that I did not expect. I didn't expect that Uther was just going to fall into a depression and not be able to lead the kingdom anymore. I won't say what happens, but it would be a good way to keep Anthony head around and have <laughs> Arthur running things. Look, I'm not saying that I'm mad. I'm just saying that I didn't expect it. I'm all for it. Please keep Anthony head around. I feel like they had the same struggle we did. Well, we don't want Anthony to leave. <laughs> but we need to get this story on the road. Keep him, please. Depressed and all. It's okay. Yeah. Gwen rides in with the knights. The shot is beyond perfect. And they're all dressed in their knight. I was going to say outfits. <laughs> I'm like, oh, a cute little outfit. <laughs> like a kid. They're knight costumes. <laughs> it's beautiful and the shot's beautiful and the courtyard's beautiful. They're all dressed as knights. They're finally in their Camelot gear and it's amazing. Which I love the idea that they were all fighting in the castle. Now, Gwen is alone because Guy has just abandoned her back there in the old castle. Nobody died. She prepped bandages for nothing. She's just there wondering what happened. No word from anyone. And they're like, can you please just get changed and go get her? And they do. Can you dress properly and go get her? Like, before you go get her, can you please? While they went to go get her, they took down all the new banners. Everything's back. Something we skipped over for a second, which is really important. The cup gets tipped. This is a classic Merlin thing. The army disappears. Arthur and everyone looks confused, but they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yes, they look confused for a second. They're like, meh, I guess this is normal. We never, ever get a scene where Arthur's like, what happened here? And Merlin's like, uh. Where were you? What were you doing? <laughs> No, they're like, well, I guess that they just expired. And then that's what happened. <laughs> they exploded and ran away. I love that there is such a failure of follow-up in these people. And I love that that's consistent. Like, they just never, it went their way. They're not going to, okay, that worked out. It worked in my favor. I'm not going to touch it. I don't want to know. I just want to live my life. Uh, anyway, we get another PDA. But even more important, because Arthur kisses her in the, courtyard of Camelot. You could see it through every magic window. <laughs> Everyone's just sitting at their damn windows being like, what? It is great. We know that everyone in Camelot knows because everyone has magic windows. I feel like even people in the lower town could see it from their windows. <laughs> Probably. If not, they heard from somebody who was at a magic window and saw it. Everyone's talking about it. Yeah, totally. The whole staff of the castle knows. Word travels fast. It's a small town. Every maid in Camelot knows what just happened. And they all know Gwen. So they're all like, hey. Maybe I got a chance. There's lots of new handsome knights. Get your pick, ladies. 
Did you see all the knights that rode in with Gwen? <laughs> That's what I would be interested in. Yeah. Um, excuse me, are you taking? I heard that maids can date knights now, so. Also, it needs to be mentioned because I haven't said it in a couple episodes. Gwen's hair is stupid. When he's running, he, his hair is just perfect in like the wind. Who has hair like that? Yeah, he has pretty good hair. Well, and like we have mentioned before, a great haircut because that's why it falls like that. You gotta have both. So they kiss. Merlin looks so hopeful. We have dinner time with Gaius and Merlin, your favorite. Still, still we end the season with the best scene of all. Yeah, and we get just a well done from Gaius. Well, first we get no sign of Morgana and Morgos, obviously. Right, the exposition line of, oh, by the way, we got all the rubble cleared out. And it's going to be funny next season when you realize that room is totally fine. They fixed it. I'm like, yeah, I figured that they're gone. But Gaius does say they couldn't have gone far. How do you know? Two very powerful witches just disappeared. and Maybe I can believe that just because Morgana cannot still control her magic as well as Morgos. And she has to be in charge now because Morgos is passed out. So I understand that maybe she's around or maybe he's saying that they are probably staying around because they're going to come back for us. I guess we'll find out next season. I guess we will. I love that they just have to be like, just so everybody knows, they disappeared. They're alive. (laughs) They're not buried under rocks, obviously. And they're well done. It's so sweet. And then Merlin realizes he has to go on a tiny little quest. And another huge thing happens. Okay? Are you kidding me? (laughs) First of all, he made the light shine on that one spot by getting a light up on a cherry picker. I can't help anyone who hasn't been on a farm understand what a cherry picker is. I just know that I worked on a short film where we used a cherry picker as a crane to get a crane shot. Cherry pickers are my favorite non-film industry industry tool. I just have to say that. They are just so much more compact and it's so much easier to use them than a huge, enormous crane. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have one around, cheaper than a crane. Way cheaper and easier to find too. Look, it's perfect. This whole sequence is perfect. He finds a stone and here we are. Merlin has created the sword in the stone. I was like, what? Because I really thought that he was just going to take this sword Back to the lake where he found it. Walk another 20 leagues. Yes, walk another 20 leagues. And then 20 leagues back. Just like, guys, I'll be gone for four days. Do not worry about me. Don't tell anyone. I went to do something important. Do not tell Arthur I'm in the tavern. I gotta go do something. I was so excited when this happened. I cannot tell you enough. Also because it feels like the episode's over, right? More bonus stuff is happening. This was definitely a bonus scene at the end. I did not know that this was going to happen. I couldn't guess in a million years. And I love it. I love it. It's so perfect. It's finally in the stone. Oh, my God. I wonder who's going to take it out of the stone. I wonder. I'm not going to tell you how long you got to wait for that to happen. Whatever. It's probably going to be a while. It's not going to happen right away, no. Yeah, I figured. I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot imagine how next season's going to pick up. Oh, God, I really can't. 
I don't know. And it's a two-parter. And I, obviously, I also have to say that even with this part two, I paused it and I was pretty much three quarters of the way into the episode and I couldn't guess how it was going to end. I think they did such a good job on the season finale. I loved all the character introductions. I love all of the Arthurian tale stuff that they put all at once into one episode and still didn't feel crowded, didn't feel like they were trying too hard, just didn't feel like they were reaching for something that wasn't really there. Everything felt so natural. And I can't wait for season four. I can't believe we finished season three. Yeah. And it's really hard because it doesn't feel overly packed this episode. It's hard to really conceptualize that we got the round table, the knighting of all these guys. Everyone came back. Gaius used magic. The dragon was here. And the sword and the stone. What? <laughs> the lady of the lake. There's just so much stuff. It's the only time you've really seen the lady of the lake. I mean, that's it's really a lot of things, both for our show, our characters, our development, our people that we've become attached to because we've been watching this show. And then all the large legendary stuff that we haven't seen before or have seen before and it's new because we've seen Excalibur, right? But seeing it come out of the lake in her hand or seeing it go in the stone are just huge, huge moments. I love it. I am very pleased with this third season and I can't... It's a good season. I can't wait to see what's going to happen in season four. I really can't imagine how they're going to... What happens after this? I, I don't know which way they're going to go. It's really up in the air for me. I will say what they said to everyone when these seasons were coming out. It's going to be darker. Okay. I like it. I'm interested. We're going to open up on a, an epic two-parter that you won't believe. So. Oh, my God. I can't wait. This is the only time where you get truly surprised is the season premieres because there's no next week on Merlin clips. That's true. It's just the adventure continues. I'm excited to start the next season. Hooray! And pretty shortly, I'm going to send you the first blooper reel, <gasps> the first outtakes. Oh my God. Listeners, we, I think outtakes are our favorite thing. Both Mila and I are obsessed with outtakes. We love them so much. And it's been really painful that there haven't been any for the first two seasons. Blooper reels are life. Life. It's when I look at the TV and I'm like, this, this is why I want to do TV. This is why I want to be around people like this cast. And it's just, it just, I don't know. It gives the actors a little bit of like humanity. You remember that they're actual people. You remember that it can be really fun. It's just so great. I love it. So I think much. outtakes are what made me, it's it's my love of storytelling that made me want to work in TV and film, but outtakes made me want to be on a set. If you've ever been on a set, it's so many hours. The days are so long and you need moments like the outtakes to just laugh it off and enjoy yourself. And I love seeing that. I love seeing the behind the scenes and seeing how people actually enjoy their job. Yeah, 16-hour days are no joke in production. And uh, it's a real thing. But yeah, this is going to be your first taste of Merlin bloopers. Amazing. Happy season three. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
Happy season three. See you soon.